Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, I'm one of the presenters for Dragon Bites and I'm one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales. I need to apologise to you all for the very prolonged absence I've had from the Dragon Bites podcasts. Um, I think it's been maybe six months since our last episode. Sorry for that everyone. This is largely my fault. Um, I've been Well, I've started a PhD in medical education this year and that's taken up a lot of my spare time and my full time working time as well as it happens. Um, We will keep these Dragon Bites episodes coming at you now though. Um, I've managed to get through my first year, um, but I'll have a bit more time to do these episodes for you. Okay, I think that's enough of an apology from me. Um, Let's get to this episode. So we're very excited about this episode today. I was joined by um, Rebecca Jones. She's another one of our Dragon Bites podcast hosts. We had a chat with two members of the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. So we were joined by Dr. Catherine Chadwick, who's the Vice President for Training and Assessment. And we were joined by Dr. Emma Dyer, who's the Chair of the Trainees Committee at the Royal College. And together we all discussed the new Progress Plus curriculum, which is coming into action this year as it happens. So this is the first of a two-part episode, so if you still need to get your head around what Progress Plus is, or if you've got questions around why it was brought in, this will be a great episode to listen to. So, let's get started. So hi everyone, this is Asim. I'm one of the presenters for Dragon Bites and we've got a special episode today for you all uh, discussing the new Progress Plus uh, changes that are coming into place. And for this reason, oh, let me first introduce one of our other Dragon Bites hosts who's joining us today. Hi Reb. Hi Asim, nice to join you again today. Yeah, amazing, thank you. Um, and then we've got two special guests with us. So um, can I start with um, Catherine Chadwick? Hi Catherine. Hi Asim, uh, thanks for having us today. Uh, do you want me to introduce myself? Yeah, would you mind? Yeah, that's fine. So I'm Catherine Chadwick, uh, I'm a paediatrician in Northampton and I'm Vice President for Training and Assessment at the Royal College. Amazing, thanks Catherine. Um, and we've also got Emma Dyer. Hi, yeah, thanks for having us Asim. Um, so my name's Emma, I'm a paediatric registrar, I'm specialising in paedi emergency medicine at the moment based in London. Uh, and I'm also the chair of the trainees committee. Um, and before I was that, I was also the ePortfolio and curriculum rep. So I've been involved with Progress Plus for a little while now. Yeah, for, for as long as I've known you, you've been working on Progress Plus <laughs> um, So I thought w- what we like to do on Dragon Bites is just to get to know our guests a little bit. Um, so starting with yourself, Catherine, do you mind telling us a little bit about um, outside of your role, at, uh, your role at the Royal College, your, you know, your career to date? Yeah, so I uh, I actually started off intending to be a GP and I did uh, a lot of junior jobs creating my own GP scheme and then realised that actually what I really loved was paediatrics. So I did junior paediatric jobs. I was an SHO in Leicester and a registrar in Leicester and Oxford and have been a consultant in Northampton since 2004 and I mainly specialise in neonates. Uh, but I also do some general paediatrics and some paediatric emissions unit and I run our two-year development follow-up so it's uh, quite a nice varied career. 
Uh, and uh, from the college point of view, I was so I was head of school in the East Midlands before taking up my college role, and I've been vice president for training and assessment since uh, for two years. So since 2021, taking over from David Evans, who of course did loads of amazing work for Progress Plus. Amazing, yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Um, and we've been working alongside each other for a while because one of my side roles is as the assessments rep. So I've been fortunate enough to have spoken to you before. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, Emma, it'd be great to hear a bit about yourself as well. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your career to date? Um, yeah, so my career, I guess, is pretty straightforward in some ways. Um, I finished medical school, then did F1 and F2, uh, and I went straight into PEDS training after that. Um, I have taken a year out along the way um, and did a clinical fellow job for a bit and then a little bit of travelling. Um, and apart from that, I've kind of gone straight through. So I'm ST6 now, subspecialising in PEM. I'm really enjoying that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I got to here, I guess. Yeah, and, and you did the um, e-portfolio rep um, role for a while, you were saying. When did you start doing that? Yeah, so I started that just as we were going into lockdown, actually. Um, so that would have been... 2020 I guess um around February time I think so yeah I was the e-portfolio and curriculum rep for two and a bit years um before becoming the chair so yeah I've been involved with Progress Plus for yeah like you say Asim a little while now (laughs) amazing well it's lovely to meet you both though I've met you before but for our listeners I'm sure it's lovely to meet you both um I'm gonna hand over to Reb now thanks Asim so I think um anyone who's listening to this that's uh, within PEDS training should by now hopefully know that Progress Plus curriculum is coming in. Um, But I was just wondering if um, you guys could just briefly give us an overview of um, what Progress Plus is and um, when we're going to start seeing the changes coming in. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can kick off and I'm sure Catherine will chip in uh, because she is an expert on this. Um, So yeah, hopefully, as Reb says, everyone knows Progress Plus is coming in. We're going to be changing over in uh, this summer, so August 2023. And I guess the biggest headline is um, that it's a structural change. So we're changing an eight-year programme, which has currently got three levels, into a seven-year programme, which will have two levels of training. So those levels will be core paediatrics, which will be ST1 to 4, and then specialty paediatrics, which will be ST5 uh, to 7. So the specialty training is still the, the last three years of training like it is now. Um, and I guess the other changes will be in terms of the structure um, that people will now be stepping up to middle grade rotors during ST3, which I know in some regions is already happening anyway. Um, and the idea is that that will be done in like a supported way so people feel ready to make that step. Um, there will be a year longer to do the exams. So you need to have the written exams by the end of ST3 and clinical by the end of ST4, which is actually what we moved to during COVID as part of the COVID derogations. So we're just kind of keeping that. Um, but from what we used to do, it gives people that extra time to do them. And then I guess the other thing in terms of the structure um, is that there won't be any mandated six-month placements that you must do this for this many times. Um, The emphasis is on achieving all the capabilities, but schools that are arranging those placements can be a bit more creative 
um, in how trainees achieve that. So I think in a lot of places, there will still be the kind of traditional six month blocks, but there is scope to do those things a bit differently. Maybe, you know, people could do community clinics alongside a general peas job or whatever it may be. Um, as long as the competencies are achieved, there's no set path by which you need to achieve them, if that makes sense, in terms of placements. Um, and then in terms of the general principles of Progress Plus, the idea is that this should provide more flexibility for trainees, more scope for a more individualised training pathway, um, and the high-level curriculum is staying. So the changes that were brought in with progress, the idea about capabilities that demonstrate that you are a good clinician, that you can be a good paediatrician, rather than just a tick box list of have you seen all of these conditions, that is all staying. That curriculum is just being restructured into two levels rather than three, with a slight different emphasis, so a bit more emphasis on things like integrated health, child and adolescent mental health, and public health as well. So I think that's kind of, yeah, what Progress Plus is in a nutshell. Oh, that was great, Emma. Is there anything you want to add to that, Catherine? Yeah, I I was just um, thinking when you were talking about different schools doing things, I know I've heard some really interesting things around the regions. I know that Yorkshire are putting in an integrated care post into their core training programme where trainees will do um, some community clinics, but will also do some public health and working with integrated care boards. Um, and I think those sorts of exciting opportunities are, will only develop further across schools as time goes on. Um, and that's just one example. There are probably other really good examples around the country. Yeah, that all sounds really amazing. Um, and like you said, hopefully give that flexibility so that it's not as rigid what placements that we all have to go through. Um, just you've gone through um what it is and when we're changing um why i know we've made the change to progress relatively recently what was the feeling behind why we've changed over to progress plus now yeah shall i take that i guess it, it was always going to it progress plus was always part of the plan so um emma talked a lot there about the increased flexibility under progress plus uh, and really i think if we think historically training programs as we used to know them grew up in the uh, 1990s early 2000s after the Kamen report and uh, modernizing medical careers and they sort of created the training programs that that we started on but very quickly I think people began to see that they were really rigid um, and their curriculum were really tick boxy and they weren't really fit for purpose for trainees because they weren't flexible enough and, and, and trainees didn't um, have, a, have good quality training or good quality of life with them. And they increasingly weren't fit for purpose for our population of children and young people with the sort of increased complexity of our, our caseload and the need to think about sort of mental health and public health and the way all those things interact. So progress was the first step and really set the, the, the scene for increased flexibility. So Progress Plus was always going to be the next step. Um, there's been a driver across all colleges to increase uh, generalism during training, and that's really what our core programme is about. So it really broadens training out to help us deal with those uh, those more complex cases and the, 
the, the increasingly diffuse boundaries between mental health and public health and primary care and secondary care. Um, and that's really a driver that's gone across all colleges. There was also a driver to try and shorten training. And I think our college has has been quite careful about that because actually it does take quite a long time to, to really get enough uh, experience to train a paediatrician and, and um, be fit for, for consultant working, ready for consultant working. Is so, it- yeah, so our, so our college um, has, has uh, settled on seven years training as a, a good length of training for paediatrics um, and hence the sort of two-level seven-year programme that is the restructuring of Progress Plus. I always find this really interesting because all the trainees live in a post-Coleman report world so we don't we're not even aware of it's happening um so i thought this would be a good i might just quickly drop in a note from us maybe to let them know what we mean by that um have i, have I got this right so so the idea was like the common report was brought in to kind of like standardize training programs so instead of it just being whatever local health boards or hospitals were doing to say um, trainee X has achieved whatever they need to achieve to become a consultant. It was more we're going to have the colleges produce curricula, and then the trainees now have to evidence that they're meeting those curricula. Is that how I got yeah, that? Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, and it was also about run through training, which was regionally based. Hmm. So before that, you, I mean, so when I started training, you got um, you just got jobs. You got six months here and maybe a year here, and probably the longest rotations were about eighteen months. And you built your CV by applying for job after job around the country in some cases. Um, and, and there were some benefits to that. So you, you saw a really diverse practice across the country and it gave huge flexibility. But what it didn't give was quality assurance. Uh, and as you say, there were no real curricula and no real quality assurance. There was just the exams and then somebody saying, well, you may be ready to apply for consultant posts now. Um, and then the Calman report, um, first of all, the, the training changes looked at SHO, tra- uh, no, registrar changes and um, had, had um, run through registrar programmes. And then later on, they, they did that with foundation and SHO jobs so that they standardised those as well and then came up with these longitudinal training programs that were regionally based deanery based that was the sort of start of the let bees and the deaneries and um as you say the colleges wrote the curricula but back in those original days the curricula was a was a lever arch file with about three thousand conditions and it said things like understand the importance of how to treat asthma mm. or something ridiculous that was really difficult to then evidence or know when you'd met it and so it, it just became, you know, perhaps it was a good starting point, but it rapidly became obvious it was very rigid and very tick boxy. Hence the changes to the curricula that we've had over the yeah. years, the introduction yeah. of progress and so on. Yeah, and the curricula being um, outcomes based and much higher levels. So the generic professional capability based curricula, which um, the college was working towards anyway, but it came out of the GMC's Excellence by Design paper which looked at how curricula should be delivered across all colleges and specialties not just paediatrics so this move towards generalism towards outcome-based curricula towards capability-based progression is not unique to paediatrics it's it's 
um, gone across all colleges. But actually, and I, I, I guess I would say this, wouldn't I, but actually I think our college has done it really well. Progress was the first um, outcomes-based curriculum to be published. So we were really ahead of the game with Progress. And I think Progress Plus is only building on that. And I think doing it in two stages allowed us to really embed those high-level capability-based, um, uh, outcome-based curricula that, that we all know as Progress now. You know, It's completely embedded, isn't it? And we all completely understand it before thinking about the structural changes and building on that original curriculum. So actually, I think I think it, it's really set to deliver what it's intended to deliver, which is better care for children, young people, um, consultants that are more flexible in their training, which is good for work-life balance as a trainee, but it's also really good for ongoing consultant development. So I think you guys, when you CCT um, through this curriculum, will be much better placed to have a more flexible career going forwards and to change and retrain and meet the demands of children and young people and, and care as it evolves. I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that, Catherine. Like it's, um, um, I think Emma and I are in a relatively unique position amongst trainees because we happen to work in a field where there's an intersection with another Royal College and you can't help but notice that our curriculum as paediatricians, I don't mean this as a slight to the Archem fellows, but but ours does feel, you know, like a step ahead and more progressive in its approach than a lot of the Archem um, curricula, which is still very much, you need to have seen three of condition X and eight of condition Y before you can be signed off for having completed this. So I, I'm when I see things like that, I get very proud of the work that, that all of you have done at the college. The other thing I was going to say was, was you know, um, this changed the seven year um, curriculum. Was that because I, I got the impression that was also to help us fall in line with um, other colleges, other training programs, but also like on an international basis that other countries also didn't tend to train as long as we did with our eight year training program. Have I got that right? Yeah. So um a lot of other countries, particularly the European countries, have a much shorter training program towards um, consultant level working. So they have um, a short-ish consultant uh, training program, and I may have this wrong, but I think it's about five years, mm. at the end of which they are a sort of general consultant, and then they might subspecialise or go into other things. And that was the original vision um, and there was a lot of talk about credentialing and post-CCT training. That's slightly parked at the moment. I think um, in this country, in our college, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, essentially. I think training to become a consultant with a, a defined role and some specialisation to meet the demand is still what we want to achieve. But I think it can very definitely be done in seven years. And what we've done really is broadening out that core training level and taking away unnecessary things. So as, as Emma said, there's not going to be mandatory six-month blocks in anything particular. Um, and one of those examples is neonates. So a lot of training programmes previously had up to 18 months of neonates in the first three years of training. And not everybody needs that. Some people will still want to do quite a lot of neonates. 
and some uh, paediatricians who are working as general paediatricians in the future will need to have some neonatal capabilities. But actually, if you want to go on and be a community paediatrician, for instance, or a neurologist, you don't need 18 months of neonates in your core training. But you might need more, um, more neurology or more public health or more something else. And so being able to tailor core training better towards people's longer term goals but still keeping it broad and generic, which is a, a balancing act that I think our curriculum is definitely achieving. You you can sh- you can tailor training better and make better use of the time. I think the other thing about a seven year program is it it will definitely help recruitment and retention. You know, I think the idea of an eight year training program it was off putting to some people. Yeah, I've certainly heard that from potential applicants in the past um, and for, from perhaps some people who we've lost along the way who just got tired of of the time on the treadmill. Um, I'm so sorry, Reb. I'm going to hand back to you. I, I need to stop uh, letting myself go off on tangents. I Personally, I found that really interesting because as someone who's, you know, I'm ST2, so I've only ever known progress. And, you know, you hear people talk about... Um, the you know progress being a change and things coming in but the way you've just explained that makes makes it make complete sense and I think it's really easy for us as trainees to be in this bubble where we know what we know and you don't not having that context for the the background and even looking his like more historically in training with the Kalman report and stuff and like it then makes sense as to why these changes are happening and I find found it really interesting that you were saying that you know prior to what we now know as training programs coming in you know there was this flexibility and it's almost like we're moving back to flexibility but with the reassurance and the um support that you're going to still have the quality while still allowing trainees to have some um, obviously within reason within schools because we still need to fill departments but having that flexibility to speak to your head of school and speak to your training program director about what different jobs might benefit you it just seems to make a lot of sense to me um, and sorry Catherine I um, I know that it might come into this was that um, looking at this flexibility does this mean that out of programs are still going to be a you know a thing that is encouraged and a, a for flexibility within our t- training pathways um yes I, I can i can talk to that so um what i was going to say to start with why i put my hand up was um uh i i've got this uh, rhubarb crumble analogy that i was going to share with you um I don't know if either any of you have heard it before. So um, I like to think of training as a rhubarb crumble. It's that time of year, isn't it? Um, and when I trained, which was pre-Calman, um, uh, training was a, a, like a shopping list. So if you wanted to make your rhubarb crumble training program, you basically went out and got your flour and your sugar and your butter. And if you wanted to make it a bit more interesting, you might put a bit of ginger in it or make a nice custard to go with it or something like that. Um and at the end of the day, you just decided when that was ready to go out and become a consultant or your rhubarb crumble was ready to be eaten. And there was no quality control about it. And some of them were great and some of them weren't so great. And I guess importantly, along the way, some people just got lost because there were no schools and there was no support and people survived. And you will hear a lot of the old consultants saying, oh, in my day, it was amazing. 
that's because they made it through and they think they're okay. But actually along the way, lots of people got lost. And then the Kalman reviews came in and training under that was a bit like a bog standard off the shelf, Sainsbury's, rhubarb crumble, other supermarkets obviously available, um, which, which was as it was. And there was no real opportunity it was very difficult to add interest or other things to it and and it was very flexible I think or wasn't very flexible I should say I think what we're hoping to do is have a deconstructed rhubarb crumble so exactly what you said you've got the elements and you can make them interesting and you can add things to them and you've got the flexibility to make it look amazing but you've got the structure around it and the school structure and the support structures and some quality assurance so that's how I like to think of the evolution of training and and what's what's good about Progress Plus. I absolutely um, love that analogy, by the way. I, to say it. I was about to say the same. <laughs> Such a great analogy. I'm really great. hungry now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got rhubarb at the bottom of the garden if you want some. Um, in terms of our programme, that's exactly um, how it will be used. So it's going to be used, I think, for people to add interest and variety into their training. Um, And certainly the vision of Progress Plus is to make our programme even more flexible and possible. Um, So I know your audience is largely Welsh trainees um, and I can't speak exclusively for Wales, but what I can speak about is is HEE and the England um, model where they are absolutely keen to have increased flexibility around our programme to stop the limits on the time you can go out of program, um, to stop the number of out of programs people can have, and to make them much easier to take, um, to take advantage of opportunities, or just to step off the training program. Um, I think it will take a while for schools to get really on board with it because they worry about letting too many people out of program because then there's more gaps and that means everyone has to work harder and it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. But the converse is true. If you allow more people to go out of program, your program is more popular, you keep more people in training and ultimately it will pay off. So I think we're in a bit of a transition time, but I, I very much hope that, that the flexibility in out of programs will just continue and grow. Thanks. Um, yeah, speaking of transitions, it's probably just worth noting as well that um, HEE is no longer and has been changed to NHS England, um, although I think from what I've seen, it's basically all the same, but a different name, but just um, so that people are aware and don't get confused. Um, yeah, HEE has, is now a new name. I think uh, Asim and I are probably slightly out of touch with that being um, based in Wales, but that's um, good because I yeah, wouldn't have known it had changed. So that's really good to know, because I'm sure there are plenty of listeners that wouldn't have known out there. Yeah, I mean, we had a similar thing a couple of years ago, didn't we? We're now HEIW, as we used to be, Wales Deanery and NHS Wales, and now they've amalgamated the whole lot. So everyone's doing something different. Yeah. It sounds basically what they've done here as well. Um, it's kind of the same thing. It's just been sort of all put together and a new name. So we've kind of had a good overview I think about what Progress Plus is and why we're getting it and I think you know it's safe to say um, Asim and I are nodding along with everything you're saying it makes complete sense so you guys are really explaining it really well for our listeners. Um, In terms of we've had a few um, questions and stuff from trainees and supervisors so in in terms of the nitty-gritty of 
changing it all changing over itself. Currently, we have our um, capabilities that are mapped out on our um, portfolio. In August, will these all um, automatically go over or are we going to have to manually um, deal with all of this? Yes, everything should automatically move across. Um, so the curriculum content itself isn't really changing that much. Um, we've got the curriculum as it is now. That's basically been restructured into two levels rather than three. Um, with a few different, um, slightly different emphasis and a few different capabilities in there, but broadly the content is the same. So all the current evidence that trainees have got tagged to the current key capabilities, that's all been mapped to the Progress Plus key capabilities. And when we transition in August, that should all move seamlessly across onto the Progress Plus key capabilities. So it won't be the case of people having to go back through all the stuff they've got and re-tag things. Um, as long as they are currently tagging um, and have got stuff linked to key capabilities, it should all pull, pull across. Um, and for anyone who has been through these kind of transitions before and is a bit sceptical of that, which I totally understand having done that myself, I think twice now, um, there is a great video on the college website on the Progress Plus um, page with the resources done by um, somebody from the training services team um, that explains exactly how that will happen to sort of reassure people that they've thought this through and it should all move across automatically. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, that's the um, apprehensions I've heard from people who have gone through these changeovers before or with changes in portfolio. But um, I think you've alluded to it then, then is that our competencies and capabilities are pretty much staying very similar to what we um, currently have on the portfolio. Is that right? Are we having any new ones that we need to achieve or is it all relatively the same? So yeah, it's relatively the same. Um, the curriculum is on the website already kind of all published so you can go and have a look. Um, effectively, um, I think I'm right in saying and Catherine will correct me if I'm not, but the specialty curriculum for the last three years is pretty much the same because that hasn't really changed and then effectively the first two levels are sort of combined into one now so the content is basically the same there is this slightly more emphasis on things like cams uh, public health and integrated health so you might see that crop up with a slightly different emphasis but to be honest um when you actually think about it these are things that we do all the time in our day-to-day -day jobs and trainees can already be kind of demonstrating how they're meeting those capabilities. So um, what we've kind of been recommending is go and have a look, go and have a look at the curriculum, see what it looks like. And then you can already start kind of finding those opportunities to demonstrate those capabilities and things like CAMS and public health um, and, you know, evidencing that on your portfolio already. Um, yes, Emma. Um, the other thing we've done is update some of the illustrations so as you know, the curriculum is designed with learning outcomes and key capabilities, which are the mandatory things to achieve. And then a whole series of illustrations that just help to give you suggestions about how you might evidence those. And really the idea under Progress Plus is that it's, it's not about specific placements and specific conditions. It's about how you learn and making the most of every patient contact and you can cover so much of the curriculum and so many key capabilities in almost any setting with almost any patient. Um, and we've brought that up to date, but with increased 
ideas of how you might evidence it across CAMS um, with some of your CAMS patients on the ward or um, in integrated care settings, etc. Um, and that really tallies into the um, uh, the document on the uh, college website, the Pediatrician the Future document, which is about how to deliver and get the most out of really good training um, to make the most of every uh, patient contact. So that the two things dovetail really well. Brilliant, thank you. Um, that again, everything you're saying just keeps making more and more sense as to why things are happening. I think I've heard a lot about um, progress plus coming in, um, but it's reassuring to hear to you know have everything that I've already heard being re-echoed um, as well. And I think we'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dragon Bite so far. Thank you to Dr. Catherine Chadwick for joining us. And thank you to Dr. Emma Dyer. And of course, thank you to Reb Jones. Um, we will continue this episode next week. So join us then. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. <laughs>